I'd like to begin uh, this afternoon by talking about perceptions because uh, perception um, acts upon our feelings and, uh, and influences our feelings. So, um, yeah, so the, the example was given of you see, you see an insect, you know, inside the house or the, an insect outside the house, and it, it's your perception that changes. Uh, so what is perception? Um, perception is, uh, it's connected very much to memory and language, and, it, um, and it's, uh, it's conditioned by culture, by experience. Um, it's, it's a way in, in which we, we put things into categories. We know, you know, we look at a chair, so it could be, you know, it could be a folding chair, it could be an upholstered chair, it could be a, a, a patio chair, but still the word chair comes to mind. We know it's something to sit on. Um, and, um, and so <coughs> perception identifies things for us. Um, and um, so we hear a sound outside and, and we know it's the sound of a bird. <coughs> You know, and it's we don't have to think about it; we know it immediately. So, um, and and so it 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 co-arises with the sense contact. Um, we smell, you know, burnt toast. You know, you, we know exactly what it is right away, uh, and and so, you know, it, and so one may have a pleasant feeling tone associated with it. The other may have an unpleasant feeling tone associated with it. Um, but, but it's culturally determined, you know, so um, if, um, if, if there's, you know, a smell of burning toast and, and your, you know, your mom always used to make something really yummy and uh, when you were a kid and, and that, that smell some, is somehow associated with it, you might not experience the smell of burnt toast as unpleasant. It might be, um, it might have pleasant associations for you. So, um, and so sometimes, you know, we 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 things come into our sense awareness, sense consciousness, and we don't really know what it is. So, so sometimes there's this just not knowing, and and there's um, and that that has a a different it's a different kind of experience like um, you see a shape in twilight you know and and you don't really know what it is or um, or or there's a sound and you hear it and, and you just don't know so there's this kind of inquiry this investigation like oh, you listen listen or you look you look what is that and it's a different kind of experience than you know when we just have the perception and we know it and we kind of you know perceptions when we live in per- in perception we t- we we tend to just live on the surface of things you know we'll name it and we don't look deeply at it to to see its its real nature and this well this can happen in relationships where you know you say oh that's joe you know that's that's cassie you know and oh you know i know who they are and you don't know. You don't see that um, 
well, Cassie is just looking radiant or, you know, Joe is looking very sad. You know, we're just kind of seeing them and not seeing them because we're, we're just in the, in the uh, immediate perception. So, so perceptions can alter the feelings that we experience, um, perceptual overlays. So um, a, a, a story that I, I read that I think, I think um, illustrates this, uh, it, <clears throat> it, it shows how circumstances the circumstances that we may, you know, feel are one way or another, you know, are simply what they are, but our perception makes us feel positive or feel negative. So there's a story of a man. Uh, this is a, an old Taoist story. And uh, so you can think of a, you know, a man living in, um, you know, somewhere in ancient rural China. And um, at the time where there were... You know, there were warlords in different places, and and this man had, um, you know, uh, some property, and he he had a number of horses that he raised, and um, uh, and one day one of his horses ran off, and and his neighbors said, "Oh, that's so unfortunate," and the man said, oh, "We'll see," and so uh, so then. A few days later, the runaway horse came back with another horse, a wild horse, and, um, you know, had uh, kind of connected and just brought it back. Uh, and, uh, and the neighbors saw the, this, this new horse, and they said, oh, that's so fortunate. And the man said, we'll see. And so, uh, so the man had uh, a son who... Um, you know, a grown-up son who was uh, helping him and his property. And, and so the son was, was training the horse and, you know, uh, training it to be, uh, to be ridden. And, um, and in the course of doing it, uh, in the course of, you know, trying to train the horse, the, uh, the son fell and, and uh, broke his leg. And, um, and the neighbors said, Oh, that's so unfortunate. And the man said, "We'll see." <laughs> and uh, and so then one of the warlords came around and was uh, inscripting, you know, the young men in the neighborhood and, and taking them off to fight in the army. And but he didn't take the the son who had a broken leg. And and the and the neighbor said, "Oh, you're so lucky. That's so fortunate." We'll see. Don't know. Seems so. So, so perceptions, perceptions, you know, really influence how we feel about things. And perceptions are attitudes, beliefs, um, ideas, thoughts that you know we've we've um, been brought up with um, in our families, in our in our culture. Even our language shapes our perceptions. Um, you know how language, one language, expresses something may be very different from how another language does. So, um, 
so that's it's just to mention, you know, that that it's not just the direct sensory. You know, I, this morning I talked about how um, you know there's a a sense object, a sense organ, and sense consciousness, and from the overlap of these three arises contact, and and with contact arises feeling tone, and we experience feeling tone as pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. And and so just to bring in that it's not just um, the, the pure sensory experience that gives rise to feeling tone, but it's also our conditioning, our cultural conditioning, and perceptions, thoughts, beliefs, and so on. Is that clear? So... Um, so I want to look at this chart, and if you can't see it, you might want to just come and uh, um, have a look at it. Uh, so we have these um, these three circles overlapping: the sense object, uh, the sense organ, and sense consciousness. And then there's a place in the center where there's where all three are present, and so um, that is contact. And, and then I put a little arrow um, where uh, feeling tone arises from sense contact, that thoughts, perceptions, and judgments uh, condition the feeling tone that arises. And so this, this, um, this chart is is illustrating um, a a process which is a selfless process um, that as feeling tone the as pleasant feeling tone arises you know because of psychological physiological conditions we want the pleasant experience where we're wanting more of it, you know, as somebody described, uh, you know, sitting by the water in the sun. Everything's beautiful. I want this to continue. Um, and that, that is craving. And the Buddha pointed to craving as the cause of suffering. So in the, in the, um, uh, in his expression of uh, the path of the the path to awakening, he 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 taught the four noble truths. You know, he he discussed the four noble truths, and he said that there is suffering, and the cause of and and the second that's the first noble truth, which is to be comprehended from our own experience to say this is suffering. I recognize. You know, when suffering arises, to, to recognize and comprehend and understand what it is. So it's a direct experience, from direct experience we learn what is suffering. And then he said the cause of suffering is craving. Um, so craving is wanting things to be other than they are. Um, so what is, what is it that we want to be other than it, they are? And it's feelings. We want pleasant feelings to continue and be permanent. And we want unpleasant feelings 
to not arise and to to go away um, and so and we and we basically ignore neutral feelings so so this so what what happens with the arising of of sensory experience and a feeling tone co-arising with it, conditioned by perception perhaps, and craving arises. So craving, craving isn't just wanting, it's also not wanting. The craving has two sides, wanting and not wanting. So it's both grasping and aversion are forms of craving. Um, and from craving arises clinging. So, so craving is just that immediate wanting more or wanting to get rid of something. And clinging is when we start plotting, planning, strategizing. How are we going to do this? And we, you know, so we, it, we're starting to invest our thinking, our you know, our energies and so on. Um, uh, so, um, so, you know, at lunch today there was that delicious chocolate quinoa cake. So, um, so, so feeling, the feeling was, um, you know, I guess for most people, maybe not for you, if you don't like chocolate, but uh, it was um, pleasant, so pleasant. And then, and, you know, when you have that last bite, maybe craving arises, like, I want more. And then the clinging comes in when you think, oh, I wonder if there's any more, and if I walk into the, dining hall and I take a second piece will anybody notice <laughs> you know and out of that becomes reification of self so we're creating a whole sense of self around that craving and clinging so the clinging is you know the becoming so um So the, the important thing to realize about this whole process of dependent origination, which is a kind of a, a taking apart and illustrating and explaining the second noble truth, is that there's no self behind it. It's not, it's not that I am reaching out that there's a self that is reaching out and grasping and wanting more. It's that the self comes into being through the arising of pleasant feeling, craving for more, the process of, of clinging, and then the becoming. And craving keeps recurring 
because the causes and conditions for its reappearance keep reoccurring. So, so the Buddha, you know, talked about this in a very simple statement. So he said, when this is, that comes to be. With the arising of this, that arises. When this is not, that does not come to be. With the cessation of that, of, of this, that ceases. So, we're alive, so we have sense organs, we have sense consciousness, and so contact is continually occurring. We're continually taking in the world through our uh, sense organs. Feelings are arising. But what the Buddha taught in his teaching on mindfulness is that we can place a wedge of awareness, a wedge of mindfulness between the feeling tone and the craving. So if we're aware of feeling tone, if we're aware of this is pleasant or this is unpleasant, and we see that reactivity comes up, we have the capacity to not get into the whole craving, clinging, uh, and reification of self, you know, creating a whole self around wanting and not wanting. So, so this is, this is, you know, a really important um, piece of practice that, that, that when we notice that, I mean, there's nothing wrong with enjoying pleasant feelings, but when then we notice that we're craving more and more and more, you know, which is a, you know, can even become an addiction. That's kind of what an, an addiction is, is wanting more and more and more and more. Um, then we can recognize that what we are, what we're craving really is just pleasant feelings. And we can, can, can we, can we just enjoy the pleasant and allow the pleasant to be impermanent? You know, accept the pleasant as pleasant, and recognize that that it's it's nothing that can be held on to. So one of the things that's really important to um, to open to as we're working with pleasant and unpleasant feelings and neutral feelings is um, opening our um, developing an attitude of openness to what is unpleasant we have we have a um, we have a a kind of a, a closed mind about unpleasant feelings I mean, because 
well, uh, it's in a way it's natural that um, you know we don't we don't want to uh, to experience unpleasant feelings because because they're painful, but but in order to to break this conditioned chain and stop this 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 kind of cycle of suffering and this continuing reification of self which sees that you know I want more of this I want to get rid of that the kind of drivenness that um, we are uh, we're ex- we can experience in our lives when we're when we're constantly chasing after pleasant experiences and trying to get rid of unpleasant experiences um, is you know that that we we need to look at our preconceptions about unpleasant feelings and and suffering because um, actually it's you know our relationship with them can can close us to the possibility of of learning and developing and 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 recognizing the true nature of unpleasant feelings and 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 recognizing our capacity uh, the the strength and the capacity that we have to be with unpleasant feelings because life dishes up unpleasant feelings doesn't it life dishes up you know at least as much difficulty and and pain as it does you know pleasant and easy and comfortable experiences so um so so uh we have a kind of prejudice and negative outlook towards suffering but um you know i'd like to suggest that maybe we can open our minds and um and give uh, suffering uh, a chance to to uh, <laughs> to teach us. Yeah. Well, you know, when I when I started my practice, one of the things I noticed was that um, it, there was a lot of kind of up and down in my practice. You know that that sometimes I felt really. Um, Calm and my mind was was very present, and then, and then things, you know, uh, habits would kick in, and and um, and I'd experience a lot of um, pain, not only from my own mind, but like the feedback from the world, you know, um, if I would uh, lose it or you know act in some way that was that was uh, greedy or self-absorbed. You know, then I experience that that uh, kind of kickback from the world and um, from life, and um, it, it it became clear to me that I was really learning a lot more <laughs> because then I then I'd need to examine well, you know, what just happened, you know, what just happened, and 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 I I realized that I w- I was learning a lot more from. The, the difficulty from the pain uh, of, you know, what my reactivity or my, my uh, confusion or mental habits had created.
created, then, you know, I, I mean, the, the, the openness, the calmness, the, um, the peacefulness was, uh, was, was very nice. And I think that, you know, we also need that to nourish us. Um, but we really learn a lot from, uh, from the suffering that we have. Um, so, so when we have, you know, so we have so many uh, different kinds of disappointments and uh, losses and um, uh, illness and aging, all of these experiences that, that, uh, that are part of life. And, um, and so, you know, they, what, do they, what do they give us? You know, first of all, you know, we're probably all here. We're probably all in some way engaging in the path because of the, the pain and the unpleasant experiences and the suffering in our life, right? Um, because if, if things were all easy and comfortable, we would, uh, we would probably just be going along and, and um, not questioning anything. We'd just be uh, uh, expecting everything to stay that way. And um, so, so, you know, unpleasant feelings and, and suffering can actually help us to, you know, engage more deeply with life. In fact, it's the story of the, it, it was the story, uh, the story of the Buddha's um, journey and uh, uh, seeking uh, in, uh, awakening came from uh, his insight or his, his, his experience of, uh, you know, when he went outside the palace walls and he saw, he saw aging, illness, and death. And, um, you know, he had been protected from all unpleasant experiences. And, and when, he, when he went out and, and saw these experiences, that's what helped him to see with new eyes, um, you know, his, his very protected life in, in, in the palace of his father. And he, he left and went on his journey to, um, to understand uh, how to become free of suffering. So, um, so unpleasant feelings and suffering can help us when we when we see uh, when we see how our behavior can cause harm. You know, our unskillful behavior can cause harm to ourselves and others. Um, we can become more conscious of um, of how we're causing suffering, and it can it can help us overcome pride if we have, you know, pride or or feeling uh, uh, somehow this sense of you know I'm I'm better than or I'm not like other people who do these things, um, you know, by by having the, the um, experience of encountering our own, uh, our own suffering, we can, it, it, it helps us to really engage more deeply in, with humanity 
It also helps us to develop our sense of ethics um, that we don't, you know, when we experience suffering ourselves and when we cause suffering to others, that we can recognize we don't, we can realize the cause and effect between our actions and, and, and results. And um, so, so when we see um, how unpleasant feelings and suffering, you know, unpleasant feelings, pain, and suffering arise, um, it gives rise to renunciation. Uh, a desire to let go of of these habits, um, a desire to uh, to relinquish, you know, the, the the harm that we're causing ourselves and others, and um, and and in a way, uh, renunciation and compassion are very similar, because renunciation is wanting to. Uh, free ourselves, free ourselves of these habits which cause harm. And compassion is wanting to help others become free of their suffering. So they're, they're very connected. So so we can work with unpleasant feelings and, and suffering um, by experiencing them in the body. You know, so, for example, if we're sitting in meditation and we feel a little bit of discomfort, rather than immediately changing our posture, we can, we can uh, bring, as, as we were discussing this morning, bring a kind of investigative, mindful investigation to, to the sensation of discomfort and, and explore, move into it, explore what it is and, you know, is there a contraction? Is there, um, what, what's the, what's the, uh, the inner uh, experience of that? And, and as, we, as we move deeply into it with mindful investigation, we we can discover that it's not just a solid thing. It's something that is made up of a number of different elements. Maybe there's heat, maybe there's uh, a sharpness, maybe there's a tightness. And, and even just bringing our attention into that can, um, can, it can shift, it can change. And, and we actually will notice you know, that there are spaces in that, you know, what we're calling pain and what we, you know, imagine is a kind of a solid thing. And, and in the same way as we were talking about this morning, um, in the experience of emotional pain, to, to bring our, um, our mindful investigation to this and to recognize that it too is not a solid thing. It's, um, it's something that shifts and moves and that there are spaces in, you know, whether it's grief or anger or fear or, or grasping, 
that that when we're really attending to it, that there are spaces in that um, uh, in that experience, and so. Um, So memories also we can work with in this way um, to see its impermanent and conditioned nature. <clears throat> and also, um, yeah, uh, I was going to go on to pleasant feelings, but um, but being open you know being open to unpleasant feelings is really very important because uh, you know what happens when something arises when a uh, an unpleasant feeling arises this this desire this aversion you know this this craving expressed as aversion um, one wants to get rid of it immediately wants to get rid of it, wants to avoid it, wants to distract us from, uh, from the experience. So, uh, so I feel a little bit sad, I feel a little bit lonely, you know, so maybe I'll turn on the computer, maybe I'll turn on the TV, maybe I'll open the fridge, you know. So all of these um, ways that we enact craving and, um, and try to protect ourselves from the experience of, of uh, unpleasant feelings and, and, and this reification of a self that happens you know that um, so I feel a little bit lonely and then so I turn on the TV or I open the fridge and then there's this, this thought process that is going on about um, you know myself not good enough not wanted not you know, uh, and so on, and so, so is there a way to, to turn toward those feelings and to open to those feelings that are unpleasant, that are difficult, and and be with them, uh, welcome them. Um, give them space to be known. Receive them. So this is really a very, a very important piece of our practice because um, when we stop craving, turning away from unpleasant and um, and just always seeking pleasant, the sense of self and the corresponding suffering ceases. So. So we're kind of cutting through that whole, you know, and it's, you know, I wrote there and I kind of made some shading marks. It's all happening in the context of an underlying ignorance, of not knowing, of not being aware, of, of just being on automatic pilot, right? We're just, you know, it's just, we're just allowing these, the craving to, to drive us. But when we bring that wedge of mindfulness in, you know, we're, we see it. That's pleasant. You know? So, 
And the mind begins to get it, you know, when when we're when we cultivate mindfulness of pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral um, experiences. The mind begins to to realize that it can't hold on to these things. So, so pleasant, unpleasant, you know, the reactivity kind of just, you know, diminishes. Yeah, oh, this, it's, it's a sunny day, you know, that's lovely. Um, and comes and goes. It's not that it, it's not that we don't enjoy um, pleasant things, but we're not clinging to them because we know we can't. That's the definition of dukkha. Um, I wasn't watching the time, and I realized I've come right to the edge of our time. I wanted to, I wanted to just check in. Is, is there any? It, this is a model, you know. It's a model. It's it's theoretical. Uh, it looks theor- theoretical here. It's model, but it's something that we can really uh, use as a a lens to look at what's happening moment by moment. And that's what I'm inviting you to do now, is to, to, look, to look at your own experience, that, that we need to you know, develop this capacity, the, the mindful attention, that we can look at, um, that we can look at uh, the the arising of pleasant, unpleasant craving. We can maybe, when we notice the pleasant, maybe we can just accept a pleasant and not move into craving. Or, or, or if we notice the craving arises arising, we cannot move into clinging. Just be aware. Well, there's craving. You know. So. It's really for us to work with and discover how this unfolds, and 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 in this um, and in this process to uh, to become free, to become free of the of this cycle. You know, this is the this is the cycle of suffering that the Buddha talked about. Um, so, so it's really important to um, to not judge, uh, uh, not judge when craving arises. So you know, it's, not, it's it's that's really really important to say, oh, you know, I'm such a greedy person or I'm such an aversive person. It's selfless. It's conditioned. It's coming from the causes and conditions of our of our lives that. You know, we're, we're we've learned to chase pleasant experiences and to and to run away or avoid unpleasant. So, um, 
So notice when reactions occur as a result of the feelings. And, um, and, 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 and I, I talked about the perceptual overlay, but it doesn't matter if it comes from a, from a direct sensation or, or from a perception. Just so we notice when, when reactions occur. And, um, and notice the ways in which craving occurs. Like, do you feel it in your body? Does it, do, you, do you feel your body contracting? Do you feel your body getting tight or stiff? Um, do you feel it in your mind? Do you experience it in your mind as, as thoughts and imaginations and, you know, um, a kind of a leaning into an excitement, perhaps, of wanting um, or resistance um, or sadness? And, and can you see the suffering that is inherent in craving? Can you, as when the pleasant feeling arises, and this is really key, can you, can you notice that when craving arises, it's, it's an experience of suffering? So I think that's, that's really, really key to, to give attention to that in your sittings and, and in your activities uh, during the day. Um, so because when we when, when we really recognize that there's no there's no contentment, there's no happiness to be found in continual craving and clinging we let go we do let go we don't want to suffer but it's, we don't recognize the suffering we're we're, we're blind to the suffering. If somebody had asked me when I began practice, you know, are you suffering? I said, I'm not suffering. You know, I have a little fear, but I'm, I'm not suffering. So, yeah. So, um, thank you for your attention to this. Um, And I encourage you to continue working with it.